Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Have you been a believer? How long have you been walking with Jesus? How long have you been on the journey of discipleship? Um, is this a is this a road you've been walking really throughout your life? Have you really never known any other way? Um, or is this a relatively new experience for you? Are you a relatively new believer? Um, and if you are a person who's been a Christian for a while, how much grace? Do you have for people who are newly coming to Christ? Um, so new believers will not always uh, get all the words right. They won't um, like immediately uh, look like, sound like, walk like, talk like, talk like, live like um, people who have been walking with Jesus for decades. Right. And those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long period of time, our lives should look, should look dramatically different than the culture. And so imagine how confusing it is for a new believer in Jesus to be um, attacked, maybe is the right word, condemned for not getting all the words exactly right or saying something that's just, you know, not perfectly aligned with every dot and tittle of your doctrine. Um, Do you see how discouraging that might be for them when they, um, you know, in their newfound faith are expressing themselves in public? So why share all of this with you? Well, there there is a person who is uh, now a Christ follower um, who has articulated, you know, on a platform called Unheard, why she is a Christian. And she talks about um, uh, how atheism cannot equip us for, for the civilization war in which we are now engaged. Um, so she, she spends time in, in her piece on Unheard um, talking about the process, the journey, why she became an atheist 20 years ago, um, how she underst- understood stood then and understands now um, her Muslim heritage. She, um, she talks about radical Islam and how that has um, changed her perspective on or influenced her perspective, maybe is a better way to say that. Um, and the particular hatred that some Muslims have for Jews. Um, and she talked about, you know, thinking that as an atheist, she could be free of all of that. And she did find a new circle of friends. She did find uh, a different kind of, uh, quote-unquote, preaching. Um, And then she talks about the fact that that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Atheism doesn't work to answer the questions of the age in which we live and the civilization war of which we are now each a part. Um, And so she 
gives her testimony in words that are her own and in descriptions that are her own. And that doesn't, you know, line up perfectly with some people's, uh, you know, very, very well-developed, sometimes awfully narrow Christian uh, worldview. And so let me encourage you to consider how quickly and how graciously you respond um, when new believers express their newfound faith in public. Um, Is it possible that you could join them on their discipleship journey and walk with them a stretch of road that obviously you have already traversed, recognizing that it's totally new for them? How about we celebrate everyone, everyone who enters into the journey of discipleship with Jesus? How about we just celebrate? In the spirit of Luke chapter 15, God is rejoicing today over every one who repents. Are you rejoicing over every one who repents? In another worldview conversation that I became aware of yesterday, <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal is reporting that, and this isn't like pet therapy like we talked about yesterday where there are therapy dogs. This is, um, these people I don't even quite know how to describe this. These people say they are communicating with your pet and they are doing through so, through some um, spiritual medium. My only way of describing this. So here's the headline <clears throat> from the Wall Street Journal. Um, here, uh, pet psychics for animals, um, you know, are, are charging paranormal fees. She charges $550 for 90 minutes. She has a waiting list of 7,600 people. Pet psychics are making their way from the fringe to socially celebrated. So this in part is the story of a tech worker and part-time dog trainer named Maddie um, who couldn't figure out what was going on with her English Springer Spaniel rudder And here's a person who has more money than sense. And I feel like I can say that. Um, This is a person who had already spent a tremendous amount of money having tests run on her dog, including a doggy MRI. Um, And and now, after this spiritual pet therapy, after her submitting her dog to time with a pet psychic, now her dog is on full-time seizure medication. I don't know how... Um, how this sweet, you know, Springer Spaniel named Rudder feels about all that. But um, there is something going on in the world where there are guinea pig spa services and goat yoga, and now um, people treating their pets as not only a member of their family, but maybe more significant than people in terms of the way they are using their material resources. Um, People spending on pets has increased year over year, and according to a YouGov survey in 2022, um, 67% of Americans said they have had a paranormal experience, and an equal percentage consider pets as members of their family equivalent to people. Just from a worldview perspective, like, Both of those things is a problem or are a problem. I don't know. That's a bad sentence, but you get the point. So um, I'm alerting you to this so that you can revisit what the Bible says in the book of Genesis about um, creation, the story of creation, the unique nature of human beings 
who we are as image bearers of the living God, the stewardship God has given us over creation. Yes, we were made for relationship. Yes, ordered relationships, first with God, then with each other as male and female human beings, and then thirdly, with the animals over whom God has set us as his managers. And let me just say this. If you've got $550 to spend, you could invest it right here at Faith Radio. (laughs) We're going to have a one-day year-end fundraiser on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, but why wait? If you've got $550 to spend, do not spend it on a pet medium. Please invest it in a ministry that's reaching people with the gospel. You could actually do that right now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or online at MyFaithRadio.com. Our friend Bill English is going to join us next. Um, We're going to talk about America's shoplifting problem. Yep, that's right. A picture is worth a thousand sheets. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, our friend Bill English is here. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning, Carmen. A picture is worth a thousand sheets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I heard you. Well, America that. has America has a shoplifting problem, and so yeah. in a particular CVS in Washington D.C., D.C., there's no longer, you know, rolls of toilet paper. You know, a thousand sheets. There are pictures wow. of rolls of toilet paper, and if you want a roll of toilet paper, you then have to ask an employee to go get the toilet paper from the back. Um, because they're no longer putting toilet paper on the shelves because it's all being stolen. So it's no longer enough to squeeze the Charmin. Now they have to take mm-hmm. the Charmin. Is that right? And here's my question, Bill. Yeah. What's yeah. preventing them now that we all know that it's, you know, back there in the behind that door that's a swinging door and is not locked, uh, you know, back there where the restrooms are? What's preventing people from just walking into the storage area of the CVS and getting what they want? Like the shoplifting issue is big. Yeah, probably not much. And what's what's keeping retail going in light of the shop, uh, shoplifting is that it's still profitable for the corporations. But eventually, if the shoplifting becomes uh, too much, results in too much loss, these stores are just going to really start shutting down and, and we'll buy everything through Amazon, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do 99% of my shopping through Amazon anyway, so I rarely re- visit a retail store anymore. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing to stop them from going in the back and getting their own Sherman. A, uh, a shoplifting suspect called 911 uh, as he fled the store complaining that people were chasing him. I'm just saying, like, it's just, I, I know. I mean, I was in a, I was, I was in a store just the, just, I'm telling you, I was in a store just the other day. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I was in an aisle where there was an employee stocking, like stocking shelves for Christmas. Right. And I heard, and obviously this other employee heard, we heard the person at the front uh, go out the front door saying, sir, sir, please wait, please wait. You have to pay for that. And the employee that was in the aisle where I was said under her breath but loud enough for me to hear you're you're not supposed to follow him no like, and impl- it, it, it's it's a yeah. safety issue right mm. it's a safety issue because we've had people like a, there was an employee at home depot that tried to stop a shoplifter and was shot and killed mm. and and so the companies instruct their employees don't because mm. some of them I'm minority of them, obviously, but some of them are going to harm you, hurt you, or maybe even kill you. 
and they just prefer to keep their employees alive, which really, you know, really begs the question of what's really going on here, right? Yes, uh, that's what I think we should talk about. What is really going on here? Why are people not paying for the things that, you know, other people are, I mean, companies are not just providing things for you free of charge. They're they're a company. They're trying to make money for their their bottom line. They're not only employing people, they're also generating income for investors. I mean, there's a lot going on here where people just people have arrived at the place where they just imagine that everything to them is free. And that's, first of all, not how things work. So there's a moral issue, obviously, at work here where we don't understand that everything we want does not just automatically belong to us. Well, there is. Okay, so two two parts, if you ask me. And uh, one is that uh, there are people, there's an increasing bondage to sin, right? Mm. And that bondage to sin is illustrated in Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his, with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And in that verse, you have a person who is in bondage to stealing, moving to complete freedom from stealing because they're now giving to others who are in need, right? So there's a, there's a movement of out of bondage into freedom, uh, just, in, just in Ephesians 4.28. Uh, the other thing, though, is that uh, now the majority of Americans have realized that they can get free stuff from the government and uh, without having to pay for it, obviously, because it's free. And um, every a, a majority of Americans are now getting something free from the government. And I think that attitude is spilling over into retail. Because I get free stuff from the government, I really deserve to get free stuff from anybody who has what I think I need or want. And so I'm just going to go take it because it belongs to me to begin with. And so you have bondage to sin, and then you have bondage to, uh, maybe I can call it a false belief or or a, a lie that I deserve to get things for free without working, which is the antithesis of what the Bible says, you know, about us working and and actually earning our own keep, so to speak. Hmm. All right. So we're going to um, probably circle back around to this uh, in the future. Here, here's what I anticipate happening, Bill. Um, yeah. I have been to enough uh, Central American countries to know what it looks like uh, to walk up to the front of a store um, and there are bars across the front of the store, and you don't get to go in. The employee on the other side of the bar goes and gets for you what um, they have behind those bars that you want, and they bring it forward, and you pay for it, and that's when you get it. Um, the I think that the uh, the roaming around that we have been privileged to do in large commercial spaces where everything is accessible to us on open shelves um, is like, I think that experience is going to change. Well, it is changing in some places, but it's going to increasingly change. Um, and so we are becoming more like other places in the world where people are not governed by the same set of 
um, values that many Americans have been governed by over the course of time because people are no longer restrained um, by by the gospel, no longer restrained by um, living into the Ten Commandments, to use an example, not because we're obligated to, but because we we are free to, and we do so joyfully. So it's it, it we need revival. Yes, we do. We Absolutely. Yes. All right, we we're going to take a very brief break, and we're going to talk about um, uh, people making Christmas lists. What is on your Christmas wish list? Who is on your Christmas card or gift list? Um, and then what does it look like to manage expectations and resources um, as we approach the holidays? There's a, there's a lot going on in the world, and people are doing ridiculous, extravagant things, and some of that we should talk about as well on the other end of uh, the spending spectrum. We're talking with our friend Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. All right, uh, maybe you already know this, but Neiman Marcus uh, has released their fantasy gifts for the holidays 2023. Let me just go and tell you, if you are in a position to shop from the Neiman Marcus fantasy gift catalog, you need to make a contribution to Faith Radio. That's just, I'm just gonna, that is what I'm going to say about that. If you think that an Indonesian yachting treasure hunt for $485,000 is like a legit gift, then you ought to be supporting Faith Radio. That's, that's yeah, there's so many things that are just ludicrous <laughs> out there. And I don't even, I, I, my brain can't even really um, comprehend what is happening in terms of what people are spending, um, uh, supposedly, at least, on gifts. Talk with us about gift giving preparation not over giving at christmas like now's the time bill we got to get on this now because it 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 once the music starts it's like we can't control ourselves and we just spin like crazy oh my heavens you know the older i get i'm 62 now the older i get the less interested i am in the gift giving part of christmas and the more interested i am in in the worship and the praise and the adoration mm. of Jesus Christ who came uh, and was literally born into a pile of straw and dirt and all the rest of it as a metaphor to walking with us in the muck and mire of our lives. And so um I I I just I just view it as a as a very meaningful but personal holiday. Um now my kids are grown, you know, both of my, my daughters in Scottsdale, my son's in Louisville. And, um, uh, we just, we just don't spend that much on Christmas anymore. Uh, there is something to be said for giving a meaningful gift, uh, as opposed to many gifts. And people may want to think about that. No matter what the age is, maybe just give one or two very meaningful gifts as opposed to seven or eight or 10 uh, gifts that, you know, are in, in a month from now are not going to be used. 
how many parents do we know? And, and you probably had this in your home and we did in ours. We would get the kids something for Christmas and within a month it was packed away in the closet never to be used again, never to be played with again. So you may want to think about something that's more meaningful rather than uh, something that's just thrilling uh, at the moment. That's good. Give one meaningful gift instead of, you know, a pile of non-meaning, meaningless gifts. Um, uh, give a shared experience instead of something like do something together with someone and have a shared experience Um make a memory instead of giving someone some physical thing. What do you think about that as an idea? Yeah, I like it. Like like you and your husband could do this Olympic Games in Paris for 210,000, right? You know? There, <laughs> okay, there's wait a, a second. there's a memory wait a second. for you. My name, my name is actually in the Neiman Marcus fantasy gift catalog this year. I don't know if you scrolled down far enough to oh, know that there's something called the one of one. It's the Cadillac Carmen Oh yes, Celestique. I saw that. It's just under a million dollars. It's you know, it's a one of a kind vehicle that takes driving to the next level and it already has yep. my name on it. I this is a sign from the Lord, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Bill, what is the center of a biblical worldview for Christian business ownership? You I'm know, drawing this quick. from Bibleandbusiness.com. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, real, real quick. Uh, I define the center of a biblical worldview for a Christian who owns a business as this: uh, Christian business owners live with an eternal perspective derived from their covenantal relationship with God, and is lived out through biblical stewardship. And then I divide biblical stewardship as purposefully disadvantaging oneself to advantage the kingdom of God. And uh, that's that's what I am moving Bible and business towards. All my writing is towards. It's all going to be tethered to those two uh, statements, and those two statements will be the core of pretty much everything I'm doing uh, moving forward. All right. What is the eternal perspective on this situation? What is the Bible command um, that I think, do, and believe in this situation? Um, if a certain decision is made, who's going to be advantaged or disadvantaged by the decision um, and what temptations to sin exist in this situation? I just just really so good um, in terms of the questions that are that are provoked in terms of how we evaluate what is in front of us um, in so many ways. So thank you for it's a very brief post, but I, man, it's it's so rich. It's so worthy. Um, it made me it made me think of the four way test in Rotary. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? I feel like if we could have a grid, um, you know, if we could have a grid as parents, if we could have a grid as business owners, if we could have a grid as uh, people on social media, that we ran everything through. Like, let's get ourselves a good grid. And I think that's what I hear you saying. You're going to run everything through through this this particular grid. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you are exactly right. That's so good. That's so good. Um, Bill, as always, thank you so much. We have been asking today, um, what on the pie buffet, what on the Thanksgiving pie buffet has your attention? Um, so let's uh, we, let's get the answer to that question. Oh, uh, pies, uh, blueberry, mm -hmm. with uh, warmed blueberry. up with, uh, with uh, vanilla ice cream. Nice, nice. And the side item of, of choice, your favorite Thanksgiving side item. 
Oh my. Uh, I really like when Kathy, Mrs. English, makes um, those beans with the uh, um, mushroom. Oh, like the green bean and, casserole? And, yeah, and then puts the French <laughs> like onion the little things onions. on top. Mm-hmm. It's good. Oh, it's good. That's the green oh. the green bean casserole. And my guess is you she only makes it like once or maybe twice a year. So yeah, it right. It's not yeah. a yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't happen with any frequency. Okay, well tell Mrs. English that um you know hooray in advance for the green bean casserole and thank you for your time today. We give thanks for you. Well, thank you very much. It's always 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 an honor and a privilege to be on Faith Radio with you. So much fun. And, you know, check it out, that that Cadillac page. You know, I don't want you to miss that in case you're shopping. <laughs> yeah, I'll just pull out my yeah. wallet. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Thanks, Bill. We really appreciate you it. You bet. All right. Um, next up, our friend Andrew Peterson is going to join us. And so I thought um, in transition to from my conversation with Bill English to a conversation with Andrew Peterson, I should tell you about a lion on the loose. Mm -hmm. And you say to yourself, why? Well, because Andrew Peterson's always talking about things that, you know, are wonderful hooks for the imagination. They grab us. Sometimes they grab us around the throat, but they certainly grab us in the heart. And so a lion escaped from an Italian circus and has been uh, roaming around a seaside town in, in, in Italy now for some period of time. Uh, sparking panic among some. Uh, This adult lion is named Kimba, uh, and he escaped from the Roni Roller Circus on Saturday afternoon. He was on the loose for about seven hours, prowling around, um, and eventually he just uh, laid down and took a nap. And you say to yourself, yeah, there was probably something more to that. Yes, they did shoot him with an anesthetic. But eventually, uh, after roaming around and, uh, and seeing what was going on, this massive male lion uh, he just he just very calmly laid down and uh, they recaptured him. So uh, here, why do I bring that up? Well, because sometimes there's lions at the gate. Sometimes the lion is prowling around looking for a way to devour you. And sometimes you need to know your way through the Glipwood Forest. Don't you need a ranger's guide to Glipwood Forest? Well, the author of the Wing Feather Saga is going to join us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am holding in my hand a handbook for exploring and surviving the lethalist woodlands in all of Scree. It's a ranger's guide to Glipwood Forest. Joining us now, the author, Andrew Peterson. Hi, Andrew. Good morning. How are you doing, Carmen? <laughs> I am well. I am well. Um, I think, you know, everybody wants to know what comes first, the map uh, and these kinds of descriptions or the story that unfolds in the Wing Feather Saga. That's a good question. Um, I, I tried writing the story several times and kept running into dead ends. And um, back, this is, I mean, 20 years ago when I started the the whole Wing Feather Saga. And I realized that until you build a world, you can't really tell a story in it if you're if you're writing fantasy, and uh, and so yeah, I started with a map and started writing, you know, basically pretending like I was ten years old again and uh, populating the forests with all manner of monsters and weird creatures, and and uh, after I had built the world and named all the towns and the rivers and the sea, then all of a sudden the story presented itself to me, which I realized later was 
exactly how the the Lord built this world. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about it was that if 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 God wanted to tell a story, quote unquote, about um, the nature of his love and who he was that expressed himself. Um, he started by saying, let there be light and, and basically drew a map and, uh, all these people grew up out of it. So I think it's a good, good principle when it comes to storytelling. Yeah, it's absolutely and essential. And I imagine C.S. Lewis did the same with Narnia and I mean, right. It's, this is the, um, the kind of fantasy that you write, um, mm-hmm. is telling is telling a deeper story than the one on the surface, even though the story on the surface is wonderful. Um, all right, 20 <laughs> years ago, 20 years ago is when you really started uh, or uh, really started developing the story that we all now experience as the Wingfeather saga. How old was Aiden 20 years ago? Oh, man, <laughs> uh, he would have been six, five or six okay. years old, something like that. Yep. All right, so six-year-old Aiden is now uh, the Aiden Peterson, who is a professional illustrator and animator, um, and uh, your partner in this particular project. Can you talk with us about that? Like, what what is it like to partner with your young adult son <laughs> in in this work? Oh my goodness, um, it is. It's like truly one of the deep deep joys in my life. Like with all three of the kids, um, I've gotten to work professionally with all of them. And um, in each of their arenas, Sky's a songwriter and she tours with me sometimes. Asher played drums for me and has produced some stuff that I've worked on. And then Aiden is the the visual artist of the bunch. And man, like, I mean, the best way to sum it up is that uh, we did the book signing um, for the release of this book. And it was so fun. All these kids who are Wingfeather Saga fans. And I'm sitting next to my grown son who has given me my first grandchild, you know. And uh, Aiden and his wife are both artists. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, all these kids are coming through the line. We're just enjoying this together. And, and I get to say, this is my son, Aiden. And he's going, this is my dad, Andrew, and signing all the books. And at the end of the night, I sent him this long text. It was just like, I'm so proud of you. I, I'm so thankful that we get to do this. And he replied kind of with the same, but he said, I can't believe I get to illustrate fantasy books with my dad. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's it. And so like, it's not just that we get to work together. It's that we get to work together on something that's tr- genuinely like uh fun and playful and it kind of geeks us both out in the same way you know so it is it is a total joy to get to do this with him he's really one of my favorite illustrators in the world even if i wasn't related to him yeah he's he's so gifted um okay if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself i am a wing feather saga fan um then you need a ranger's guide to Glipwood Forest. It's not safe um, for you to be wandering <laughs> around in the treacherous land of fatal flora and fanged beast. So if you need the history of the first adventurers who were daring enough to brave the brave the Glipwood Forest, we do have copies of A Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest to give away today. If you don't know what Glipwood Forest is, do not do not text in for the copies we have to give away. Like, these need to go to people who actually know what we're talking about today. So just because you're an Andrew Peterson fan doesn't mean you're the one that needs the Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest. Like, if you're Evelyn and you are a Wingfeather Saga fan, then this book is for you. And you're the person I want to hear from on the text line, 877-933-2484. Now, you may be a big fan of Andrew Peterson for a thousand other reasons. And so, um, you know, because we've got you here, Andrew, I want to talk about some of the other things you're known for. 
Um, because when I uh, told a friend that, oh, I'm going to be talking with Andrew Peterson, they're like, oh, are you going to be talking about Behold the Lamb? And I thought, <laughs> well, I better ask. So um, by my count, you have 16 upcoming shows in the next month. So it's yes. not like it's not like um, a ranger's guide to Glipwood Forest is all you're doing these days. Um, uh, and I and I really appreciated that in addition to going and seeing or participating in Behold the Lamb as a live experience, people this year can participate via live stream. So could you just make that invitation? Yes, uh, this will be our 24th annual Behold the Lamb of God tour. So 24 years, almost I mean, from the time Aiden was one year old, I think, uh, we've been doing this this tour, and uh, we travel the country. It's it's a lot of the same people that have been, we've been doing it uh, together for almost all of those years, and we love hanging out, going on the road, telling the story of the incarnation of Jesus, and uh, through singer songwritery kind of folk songs, basically. Um, it's it's more than that, but uh Anyway, yeah, and this year we'll be, we always play at the Ryman Auditorium here in Nashville, and um, and this will be our twentieth year at the at the Ryman. So it's kind of a we're marking that two decades of of coming back to the show, and one of those is going to be live streamed. So we've been live streaming for the last few years, and it's really fun. Like the great thing about the live stream is you can you can get your ticket and watch at home whenever you want after the date. You don't have to tune in live. You can actually watch it all the way until January sometime, and. Uh, and it has become like a Christmas tradition for people, which is so cool. Like what's what's crazy is that I meet people at these shows who say, I have been coming to this show since I was five and I want you to meet my five-year-old. <laughs> mm. uh, and they're now bringing their kids to the show. And like it's it, being an old guy has got its, its perks. <sighs> it's pretty great. It's very gratifying. <laughs> So if you want to um, if you want to participate in Behold the Lamb, um, I want to encourage you to go to andrew-peterson.com. You can um, you can actually participate in the live stream um, of the Behold the Lamb tour this year, and um, and you could host it at your church as well. Like there's or yeah, you could host a viewing party somewhere else in addition to your church. But like there's all kinds of ways to participate this year. And if you don't already have a meaningful way for you and your family, your friends to really enter in to the Christmas season in the spirit of worship and actually being drawn to the one um, who came in flesh to dwell among us. This is a wonderful, wonderful tradition to begin. Uh, and so I'm just going to invite you into that. Um, Andrew, let's talk a little bit more about the Wingfeather Saga um, books, but also an animated series. Um, people now know it for both or you know, and some people only yeah. know it as one as one or the other. So, can you just talk about that? Like, it for you, which one is it? Is it a series of books? Is it an animated series? Like, what 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 is Wingfeather? Man, that is a good question. Um, we, you know, we I finished the the last book of the of the you know the main part of the story. Um, I don't know how many years ago, seven, eight years ago, something like that. And uh, I mean, I was friends with one of the. Uh, I had written a few songs for Veggie Tales, a couple of the silly songs, and um, so I knew Chris Wall, who's one of their producers, and he was a fan of the Wingfeather Saga books. And I was like, "Hey, what if we were to make an animated series?" and And he chewed on that for about two years, and then ended up diving in full bore. And we spent six years trying to 
you know, uh, shopping the thing to Netflix and Amazon and all this stuff. And, and, you know, there's a million barricades along the way and dead ends. And it can be a really frustrating, long process. But we finally ended up uh, connecting with Angel Studios. And I was a fan of The Chosen. And and they wanted Wing Feather Saga to be their next show. And so uh, that began this crazy journey. Uh, and so now we're in season two. And it's just been a total blast. But to answer your question the two have melded together in my mind. Like usually an author uh, signs away the rights to their, their books and somebody else goes and makes the show. Um, but I have this tremendous privilege of being right in the thick of it. And so uh, I get to have, you know, make comments on the character designs and every script goes across my desk and I get to make notes on them all. And, and, and so the, the two things, it's two ways of telling a story. It's kind of like, I mean, not to get too nerdy biblical on you, but it's like the gospel story. It's like they're all telling the same story from a different angle. So you get fun little details in, depending on which gospel you're reading. And so uh, not like these are anything like the gospel, but there is this sense that there's the real story and the books are one way to get to the real story and the show is another way. And we're, we're getting like different facets of this uh, like platonic form of the story. So it's, it's really cool to me. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I think that um, reading the books together is one thing with a, you know, with a certain age and stage of child watching um, is can be an entry point into that for, um, you know, somebody that's not a reader yet or an early reader for whom um, some of the of the language or the sentence construction might be a little difficult um, initially. And so, I mean, there is a there there is a cadence <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, well, there thank is you. A, That's, there, I am I a mean, songwriter. A person <laughs> must develop um, the cadence for reading, uh, not only the Wingfeather Saga, but also um, the Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest and related materials. Um, and so, sure. I, I appreciate that, and I uh, and I appreciate that. Yes, there is a lyrical nature to all of this as well. We are talking with Andrew Peterson. You may know him as a singer-songwriter. Um, you may know him as the author of the Wingfeather Saga. You may know him as um, the, the energy behind the animated series. It's also possible that you know him from his other writings, The God of the Garden or Adorning the Dark. We're going um, to talk about some of those facets of Andrew's work as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Andrew Peterson is here with us today. We are enjoying a conversation about a new resource related to the Wingfeather Saga. This particular resource is called A Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest. If you um, are a reader and or a person who is watching the Wingfeather Saga and, uh, and you know of which we speak today, then you are invited to text the word book to 877 933 
um, to enter the drawing for the copies of A Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest that we have to give away today. I also am a huge fan of Pembroke's um, Creaturepedia, which is the comprehensive guide to avoid being eaten by the beasts of Scree. And so, you know, if you're looking for things to supplement your Wing Feather Saga series of books, um, these 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 two are great. Um, Andrew, you are known for many things. Uh, singer-songwriter, author, um, animated series director, but other writings as well. Your, um, your nonfiction writing, Adorning the Dark, thoughts, thoughts on community calling and the mystery of making, um, where you really do sort of tell your own story and encourage other creatives. Uh, and then a follow-on to that, uh, The God of the Garden, thoughts on creation, culture, and the kingdom. I have myself um, wondering today, are you having other thoughts are there are there more thoughts to come? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I'm um there's a third book in that memoir series that I that I want to write. Um and I don't know, I don't want to I don't want to give it away at the moment, but I have been thinking a lot about the church and um the great blessing mm. that it has been to me and my family and uh oh, awesome. thought about writing a, a love letter to the church. Uh but but I I have another book so that I contracted back during COVID um, when I wrote the God of the garden, it was a two book deal. And um, which was a really generous thing from the publisher because I couldn't do shows. I was like, I'd better do this because I don't have any way to make money while, <laughs> while I'm home during COVID. And so uh, I wrote God of the garden and I still haven't gotten around to finishing this, the other book. It's been three years and I'm in trouble. So I have to write another uh, standalone young adult fiction novel um which i'm super excited about um but i need to check that it's like it's like this homework assignment that won't leave me alone so i'm I'm working on that at the moment yeah i was thinking um not that you need ideas uh but i was thinking that we would like to hear your thoughts at some point on since each of these things came in threes creation culture kingdom or community calling mystery of making uh, i was thinking that at some point we are going to want to hear from Grandpa Peterson on her- <laughs> heritage, legacy, and being known. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you are known wow. in so many ways by so many different people for so many different aspects of um, of your creative endeavors, but then also just your your humanity toward others and and the way that you invest in in other people. Um, and the way that you walk out community in your own life. And so I, uh, I find myself hoping that maybe there is a, a heritage legacy and being known uh, thought project, um, because I do think it's, it's, you know, you are unique. And, um, and now that there's Peterson G3 in the world, um, <laughs> which is so great, um, you know, your life is going to be magnificently different because of that as well. So. Not that you Man, need well, another assignment. You. No, I don't. But I, I like the idea. I have. A, it's funny. I've had a few people ask about parenting uh, stuff, but um, Jamie and I feel like we don't really know enough about what we did right and what we did wrong <laughs> to be able to write any kind of authoritative book on it. Uh, we're just very blessed to have amazing kids. Um, yeah, I like the idea, but I'm not going to give you any royalties on it if I do it. Just so oh, you know, just no, clear. no. Everybody, everybody totally knows. Like, I'm just an ideator. And so I just constantly saying things to people just like because I think it would be fun and interesting. So no, no, no royalties. Well, I, it, it's it's just fun to be with you and to um, to get to have a real conversation. And so I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate 
I, man, I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, the memoirs are, are such a real fun, I don't know, fun's not the word, meaningful way to scratch the same itch as the uh, fantasy novels, you know, like, like, and the same thing with the songs, like there's this, uh, there's this uh, impulse to, to create, but also in, in connection to what you're saying, there is this um, desire, we all have this desire to be known. And one of the great lies that I have believed over the years is that if people really knew me, maybe they wouldn't like me very much. Or if I was known deep down, you know, my, my sins, my, the bad parts of my story, that people would recoil. And so the gospel, you know, one of the things that got really grabbed my attention when I was 18 and I had this real encounter with Jesus and his goodness was this realization that he knew me the whole time, you know, <laughs> he always knew me. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This idea that, that he, like, there's a prayer we pray in church every Sunday that talks about how like, uh, Lord to, to you, all desires are known. And from you, no secrets are hid. He knows us completely and he still runs out to meet us. And so that the writing of the memoirs and, and, you know, the songs are the same way, but also the wing feather song is this way. Like when I read the books aloud for the audio books, I was, I was uh, very aware of the fact that like, Oh, I could remember what was going on in my heart when I was writing this scene. And there is this um, common thread of, um, you know, nervously stepping into the light and kind of going, Lord, um, is it really true that you love me? <laughs> do you really like? Do you really know me and love me completely? And 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 it's it's the the people that you know the community, a Christian community of people. When you go to the communion table on a Sunday and you receive communion, uh, it's it's this assurance, this constant assurance. Yes, I know you. I'm making all things new, and you're one of the things I'm making new. Um, and that is a bright and beautiful hope. So all of the stuff that I do in some ways connected by that idea, whether you're talking about toothy cows or the songs that I write or the, the memoirs, it's all this, uh, this exercise in trusting that if I make my heart known to others, that maybe God will inhabit that work and do something beyond what I can imagine. Uh, Andrew, um, Evelyn is nine, almost 10. <clears throat> and um, she would like to know, if uh, if on page 54 of uh, A Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest, did Andrew Peterson possibly have in mind the wicket gate from A Pilgrim's Progress when he began describing mm. the, the gates related to Dugtown? That so is a very good question. That's a very literate question, Evelyn. Uh, but I have never read Pilgrim's Progress. Um, so, no. <gasps> uh, I know it's crazy. I have it on my shelf. It's just one of the classics. I, I struggle with allegory. And so everybody tells me uh, like that it's worth it. You got to do it. But for some reason, that idea of reading an allegory, I go cold. I, like uh, I, It's hard for me to imagine. But, um, but then the, I did encounter it through um, Little Pilgrim's Progress, which yes. is uh, illustrated by Joe Sutphin, who's amazing. And, the and that's what I was going to say. Do that one. Do that one. We're, yeah. we are, uh, that music is an indication that you and I have to wrap this up. Oh, as, oh, as, no. as wonderful. I know. I know. So um, maybe um, I will see you um, at the Waffle House. And until then, Andrew Peterson, 
Have a wonderful, wonderful time on your upcoming uh, Behold the Lamb of God tour. Blessings upon you and your family. Thank you for the gift of your time today, the Wing Feather Saga, um, and today's helpful guide, the Ranger's Guide to Glipwood Forest. That's all the time we've got today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for, um, for this time. It is such a gift. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.